I think also if you have like sort of already just personality wise like artistic sensitive tendencies and anxious tendencies that religion is like this perfect thing to just like feed into it um here i am it's hard to ever feel like you're reaching your full creative capacity okay <laughs> it's really weird because i'm not really speaking to you in front of me but i have to think of you as in front of me because if i don't then i won't be able to speak to you how you doing <laughs> partner is out of the house before I start doing these little intros, uh, but uh, that's not possible right now since we're on, we're on uh, isolation duty together, so she, she is upstairs watching uh, Inside Out, the cartoon movie, um, you know, and that's how she's been dealing with this. I think yesterday she watched Frozen 2, you know, everybody's got their own way. Me my heart palpitating more rapidly than I'd like and and having diarrhea I, I'd say we're both doing doing okay so far on day five six of isolation I, I will say this as we you know as it stands right now stay at home I think that uh, most of you are doing that now I, I, I have gone out every now and again to uh, take a walk um, outside, but I, I, it, honestly, I feel like I'm coming in. I wish I had like a contamination room where I could get like sprayed down before I go back in the house. But of course, I take my shoes off, strip down, and uh, throw the clothes in the laundry. I, I don't know. I don't know that I need to do all that, but uh, that's that's where my mind goes. The paranoia. I, you know, I definitely don't come anywhere close. I saw. I was running up the street today. Uh, my mom told me go out and take a little five and six minute run. It'll at least like you know do something for you, and it helped a little bit. Uh, but you know somebody coming down the sidewalk towards me, I just crossed the street. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was a white lady. You know, don't don't get any wrong ideas about my uh, my prejudices or something like that. Um, it, it's been strange for everyone. I think this is is this the new normal? Is this you know this is only day five six of what might be 500 days who who knows what this is going to be i imagine will ebb and flow but not maybe what it was i think we'll all be still pretty careful i can't even when i think back to like times when i've been on tour and met hundreds of people after the show and hugged and shook hands and i just can't even imagine that was ever a reality and and just didn't even have a worry in the world about it you know i'm quote unquote immune compromised so I do have to be really careful and you know for all I know I may already have it and I don't want to give it to anyone else anyway enough about that no one we don't want to think too much about that that's just the outside world that's just what's happening but I had a, uh, the joy of speaking to my good friend Amy Miller last week or two weeks ago before all this madness started. Now it had it had just started to sort of trickle in some news about, but it was it was not what it is now. But Amy came into town to do comedy. She's she uh, was headlining at Go Bananas, 
the big comedy club in Cincinnati. And uh, so I went and saw her there and we hung out for the next couple of days as well. And I was lucky enough to have this talk with her. Now this was her idea for her podcast. And I kind of jumped on and said, hey, can I put this out on my podcast too? So we're doing what is called a, a swap cast, I believe. Uh, in the LA area, they call it a swap cast. So that's that's what this is. We recorded it and are both using it on our respective podcasts. Hers is called Who's Your God? And it's a podcast about what it sounds like, about religion, how people grew up. So that's sort of what we're talking about here uh, for the most part. But we get into other stuff as well. Now, I don't go deep into uh, Amy's upbringing in history. We do we do touch on it, but if you want to hear about that, you can go back to the Wandering Wolf podcast number five. Oh my God, way back. And I apologize for any sort of learning curve I may have had back then in terms of the production and sound and anything else. I don't remember how I was doing them back then, but um, yeah, that, that goes deep into Amy's upbringing. Hey, if you guys want to do me a solid during these strange and unpredictable times, if you have, uh, you know, an income that, that continues to stream in and you have a little bit of disposable cash and you want to help out an artist you like uh, with a podcast you like or, or if you like my music, whatever, go over to patreon.com slash thewanderingwolf and pledge a little something. I would be eternally grateful for you. And those that give $5 or more become my executive producers. I read off your names at the end of the episode. Like many of you, you know, I'm going to be stuck home for quite a while, maybe months. And I do have that feeling, that nagging feeling, you know, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's do something with this time and focus. And I do have a a project or two that I will be focusing on, but I I do want to read this little uh, post that I saw on, on uh, Instagram that I thought was, was uh, apropos to right now. If you do have that, if you're like me and you like beat yourself up for not, um, you know, getting more done or achieving more, um, I liked this post and, and uh, an old friend of mine, Alex Ryberg put this up but she didn't write this. This is by someone named Emma Zek, who I don't know, but she also has a, uh, an Instagram, at Emma Zek, uh, underscore. But I'm just going to read this. It says, With this open time, you do not have to write the next best-selling novel. You do not have to get in the best shape of your life. You do not have to start that podcast. What you can do instead is observe this pause as an opportunity The same systems we see crumbling in society are being called to crumble in each of us individually. The systems that taught us we are machines that live to produce and we are disposable if we are not doing so. The systems that taught us monetary gain takes priority over humanity. The systems that create our insecurities then capitalize off of them. What if we became curious with this free time and had no agenda other than to experience being? What if you created art for the sake of creating? What if you allowed yourself to rest and cry and laugh and play and get curious about whatever arises in you? What if our true purpose is in this space? As if Mother Earth is saying, we can no longer carry on this way. The time is now. I am reminding you who you are. Will you remember? 
Well, I'll tell you, Emma Zek, I need money. I need to make a living. I need to make a living. I have to survive. I have to pay my mortgage. I have to buy food to eat. The dog needs food. You know, I got bills to pay. I got to keep the heat on. Yeah, this is all true. This is all true. But I think that both ideas can, can, can live together. You know, some people have to carry on working. For some of us, it's sort of a forced pause, you know? You're, you're in a, a, a forced unemployment. What do you do with that? Well, I haven't thought this all through, but, but the bottom line is I do like that quote. There's, an, there's maybe an air of, of, of uh, privilege in it, you know? That's like a catchphrase now. I'm privileged, we can't do it. Yeah, true. Not everybody can afford to do that. Some of us have to like sit at home and really hustle and figure out how we're gonna make our next mortgage payment. But it's a beautiful sentiment and it's true. You know, we, we have lost the plot in many ways. I, I, I do feel like there is a, a, a way to, you know, settle into this and move with it and, and take its lead. I mean, that's the only way, that's the only way we can do this. It, it, this is showing us how powerless we are uh, over, over our own reality. So, oh, I gotta get this. All right, let's get straight into this podcast with my good friend, Amy Miller. Very special episode coming from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, where I've been headlining Go Bananas. And you came last night. Yeah. And you were very complimented. It was incredible. It was oh. incredible. You wanted me to repeat my compliments. No, no, I don't. No, because I'll start was, to blush. No, really, it was it was it was incredible. <laughs> what I said was to you last night uh, when I leaned in real close, like and did a a, a, a Joe Biden whisper into your ear, <laughs> is I loved it. It's just so natural. It's it just comes oh. so natural for you, and just you being up there just feels like a natural extension of yourself. Thank you. Yeah. That's a huge compliment. I didn't want you to repeat it, but <laughs> I still enjoy it. What's done is done. Um, so just for people who don't know you, um, you are my friend. Yes. Um, you are in a band called Why. Also, oddly, a comedy adjacent sometimes. Just that I have some friends that are in comedy, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And you've done some collaborations with comedy folks, right? Yeah. Uh yeah, I've 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 done I've shared the bill. You shared the Certainly, bill. I mean, you guys did like sketch stuff oh, for sure. the band I, that was very funny. Absolutely, absolutely. I, so yeah, that's you like you know Mike Eagle. Yeah, Mike's got <laughs> very comedy adjacent. I would even call Mike a comedian. He is a comedian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he does it all. Yeah. And also, what an angel! What an angel! I love that man. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we met in Oakland. Yeah. When you were living there, how many years ago was that? Gosh, I, you know, I lived there basically for the 2000s. 15 years, maybe? That we first met? Probably, yeah. Probably. That's weird, right? We probably met in like 03. We could have a teenager. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, 17 years. Yeah. That's really wild. Yeah. Um, my life is very different from what it was at that point. God, mine too. <laughs> mine too. I don't for the better or for the worse for you? Um, for the better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm in L.A., it's, this is the first time I've cared about getting older. Because the like industry does it. not want you to. Yeah. But otherwise, like, if I think I wasn't trying to get roles and stuff, I'd be, like, really stoked about. How? Like, I like getting older. How outward <laughs> is that 
sentiment in 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 the in the, pretty, the Hollywood world. Pretty prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's something that people, outsiders such as myself, are aware of that idea. But, yeah. But how how for women especially for women especially, but for you know in your experience. How outward is it? Or, how you know, has anyone ever said that explicitly to you? Like, um, well, we'd love to get you on this, you know, but... Yes. I've also had friends... Okay, so actually the co-host of this podcast, Steve Hernandez, um, has a great story where he, like... And I won't say what network it was for, but they're kind of the center of comedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a thing where he got cast in something. Yeah. It was done. It was, like, our friend's show. They wanted him... And then he had a date already to come shoot. And then just in the email conversation, someone casually was like, hey, you're under 40, right? And he was like, how do I answer this? I'm like, you answer yes. Right, right, (laughs) right. I mean, but isn't that wild? That is wild. I mean, he's probably, I can't even remember what he played. He's always playing like a janitor or a bouncer of some kind because he's a fat Mexican dude. Um, But can you imagine just watching a show on Comedy Central and being like, I would like this, but I feel like that guy might be 40. That guy's over 40. <laughs> I mean, look, I understand if it's like Dawson's Creek or Saved by the Bell. <laughs> sure. Because in those shows, everyone's about 30 or 35. Yeah. The high schoolers. Although famously, uh, in 90210, Ian Ziering was 38 or something. 38. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Playing I mean, a that, high that, schooler. Yeah, right. That, but they all. But high schoolers are always in their 30s on TV. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but other than that, I don't see, you know, obviously there are, there are very specific roles maybe, but, but in general, I don't know. I, I get it. There, there's like this fixation and, and fetishizing of, of like Youth. youngness. Yeah. Well, the funny thing when it comes up for me that makes me laugh is in voiceover because I've been doing a lot of voiceover auditions and then nice. they always send me for like a Late forties witch or okay, whatever, okay. and I'm like, I can play an animated young person, right? You know, you actually probably would do a good kid voice. <laughs> yes, I, I could see that. Actually. Absolutely, yeah. you know, Pamela Adlon was a little right. boy for a decade or whatever. Totally. Um, yeah, it's crazy, and I had to like email my agents and be like, you know, you guys can send me for other voiceover roles, right? That aren't. A crusty old maid or whatever. You know, I, I have to be real. Like, I, I feel that in the music world, too. It's not it's not just Hollywood. Like, I think any entertainment, you know, it's like there's always this fixation on the, the fresh, new, young thing. And, um, you know, me being as old as I am, like, I'm not that anymore. And so, yeah, I, I feel that, too. You know, there's, there's something about, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Gracie. You can do Yeah, that. okay. I'm so Gracie's scared. I was, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> No, no, don't worry about it. All right. Okay, see, I'll get you off your okay see you later. <laughs> that was Grace. We can that leave all Grace. that in. Um, that's like the Kramer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just making the most noise to leave. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, so I, yeah, I, I, I do, I feel that even in my, and I, I think, you know, if I feel that in my position, I can only imagine being A in Hollywood and be a woman. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. yeah. But your fans also skew a little bit younger. Is that totally. still true or are they now growing up? No, I think there's always like, there seems to be always like a new set of fans that are like in their young 20s. I mean, or like, you know, I mean, of course, it, 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 they run the gambit, you know, like, uh, uh, but 
maybe like you said skewed towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's just because like people in their young twenties are the ones that actually like go out to shows and stuff. Yeah. Because once you get a little and seek older, seek out indie bands and, and seek yeah. out new bands and right. Yeah. Once you get a little older, you know, you realize like, oh, I don't have to go out to this show. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and and so maybe uh, so it's maybe maybe a false false positive a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was always interested by. You know, when I lived in the Bay Area, a lot of time I worked, like, for venues and stuff and um, for a ticketing company. Yeah. And there was, like, I mean, the, the statistic that has not changed, even with, like, social media and everything, like, more information for how to find concerts. Yeah. Most people over 30 in this country go to one event a year. One to yeah. two. Maximum. That's, that's about, like, that's about me. I mean, I think... Every once in a while, uh, you know, as far as like paying for an event and going yeah. like that, I would say probably for me, maybe one every three years, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, uh, you know, being in the industry, it's harder. To yeah, see. you end up having to go, whatever, like go see your friend or go, see, you know, yeah, or something like that. Um, forced to see your but friend, but that's different, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I, you know, look, I have lots of friends, I love their music and everything, but you know. There, uh, it, when it comes to I'm all, when you know, this does not apply to you because it's comedy is different for me because it's outside of my world. Yes. But as far as music goes, like even if I'm a fan, oftentimes you know, and I, I'll be like, oh, you're coming to town, great, I would love to come check you out. But then like on the night, it's always like, oh, I really gotta leave. <laughs> this is really happening yeah. right now. Yes. Well, I feel the same about. I mean, I've always gone to see a lot of music, but now that I watch so much comedy and perform it, yeah, like. I love going to shows. Yeah. Because music is so much better than comedy. See? I, and I'm when, the opposite. I feel the opposite. <laughs> well, that's because you're not in it. Yeah. But, like, when y'all come through L.A. or whatever, like, I try to go pretty much every time. And yeah. I'm always like, you, you're so good. Well, thank you. And I, like, become a fan all over again every time. Thank you. <laughs> I, I felt like going from, you know, like, I had a great time at your show last night. And then when we went over to that bar next door... That was like my own personal hell. Yeah, like that, it was, I bet. I mean, to be fair, it was a cover band playing Tom Petty and, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob Thomas. We or found something. a little safe little nook. We found a nook, safe, maybe safe from seeing the the, the band <laughs> yeah. and all their whatever. <laughs> and but the potential Nazis that were in there. <laughs> exactly, there were some some Trump Nazis, but definitely not safe from the barrage against the ears. Yeah, it was so loud. I know. It's like what. Yeah, I can't really do that stuff anymore. I knew you don't drink, but, like, I do, and I still, like, hate. I just, I don't like a lot of noise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd rather just sit silently with my friends and chat over drinks. Totally, totally. Than sit through that shit. Absolutely. Plus I feel like I have to scream to everybody and, like, you know, yeah. talking to, your you know, your friends about moving here and, like, this might be a good neighborhood <laughs> to move to. Good school districts! <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Your dog looks really concerned. Yeah, no, it's it's a really stupid thing to do. Yeah. We could have just stood outside or whatever. Um, it but was cold out. There's always, like, bars like that. I mean, there's, like, this intense male energy, too. Yes. That is, like, palpable. Totally. And later on, like, during the late show, I guess, at that bar... Several fights broke out. Really? So it was like whatever. It doesn't surprise me. I know. It's yeah. like whatever we were feeling, you know, at 9 yeah. p.m. 
that tension broke at it some point. Fully gestated and, and, and got yeah. to where it needed to be to, to really break out. It's yeah. just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, you know, you can't break it up with like more women coming to bar like places like That's that. That's only gonna make it we worse. don't wanna be there. Oh yeah. I mean also, it adds like another the, Exactly. As that element of like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna go for her, I'm gonna go for her, man. She goes, fuck you. <laughs> A lot of, lot of Steve, Steve Bannon vests last night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned that your life is very different from 15 years ago, which makes a lot of sense. But, like, I do feel like you've, like, fundamentally developed a lot as a person. I would love to know your perspective which on that. we all needed to do. But, I would love but to know you your especially. perspective. <laughs> Look, I... I uh, I don't always know that I have. I and I look. I appreciate you saying that, and I hope that that's true. Uh, you know, there are times when I, I'm not sure if I have, but but uh, let's, hear, let's hear more about that. <laughs> In which ways do you feel like you're still stuck? Yeah. What in what like your neuroses? Yeah. That's gonna be your whole life. God. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, you know, I, I go to therapy. I mean, we'll so. get to the culture and the religion. Sure. But, that probably um, did a number on me. For sure. Yeah. But um, but also, no, you know, you're... I mean, you're an aging Jew. You're not going to get less neurotic. I guess you're right. And my parents are how they are, which is, you know, doesn't bode well uh, for me. And look, I love them very much, but they also have their, you know... They have their their things that they that they uh, are neurotic about, um, so yeah. But but what what was I what was I just being? I'm trying to remember how I was. <laughs> I was vegan. I was like staunch staunch yeah. vegan. Yes. Um, which did not end up being great for your body. Not great for my body. <clears throat> uh, not necessarily because of veganism, but because of the fact that. Because I was vegan, I ate so much processed shit. Yes. You know, it's like soy this or soy that. Yeah. Which I think was bad for me. Um, and also, I was so tense and mm-hmm. stressed out all the time, which you didn't even really see that aspect because that's like more like a tour aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just... Heard some stories. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you think you treat front desk employees better now? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah, Absolutely. You do, you do seem more relaxed. Good. I think, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like at the time, you know, neuroses is just going to be there for a lot of us, and I think that that's fine. Um, yeah. But it was like, you know, it's an obsessiveness that I think you don't have anymore as much. Yeah, maybe which not is as much. Nice. It's still there. How did you, how did that manifest in your, in your view? Well, I mean, I don't <laughs> with Anna. <laughs> I mean, we don't have oh, to talk true, about that. True, But, like, yeah. personal obsessiveness. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. That's true, yeah. Crazy behavior, just obsessing over a relationship. Right. Um, and then I think, yeah, just, like, I mean, you're always going to be particular about certain things, but then it seems like, I mean, with touring, for example, are you, like, more relaxed when things aren't necessarily your way? Um... Now this is when we need Josiah here. <laughs> I'll <laughs> Let say him this. answer. I'll say this, Amy. Uh, I have a manager now, so they deal with that kind Good. of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, that I don't have to get all fucking crazy over shit. Because, you know, he, he handles that stuff. And 
um, you know, I still am not great on tour, which I'm trying to stop touring. That's like one of my things. Not not fully stop maybe, but stop having to like rely on that for my living. Yeah, it's um, hard. And especially think about it right now in the coronavirus era. Nobody's going to shows right now. Like yeah. So you know. Well, in Cincinnati, no one gives a. No fuck. one gives a fuck here, but it's only a matter <laughs> of time before it comes creeping up here, right? I know. Um, and I say up here because that I've heard that it's in kentucky already yeah and columbus yeah oh shit we're being cornered um yeah i mean i always feel about i mean i know for a fact about touring it's like what i have to do right now to make money because i don't have a full-time comedy job or like regular acting gigs but i think it i mean it's rewarding in its own way and stand-up is different because i don't know like how progressively better you're getting at your songs that you've played hundreds of times. They know, just plateau eventually. Yeah. It, you it, know it's what I just mean? A, it's an act of... You're not adding things. You're not doing it for yourself at that point. You're Well, you're doing it to make a living, and then you're just, like, doing it for the people coming to see you, you know, to, yeah. to hear their favorite song or whatever. Right. But I always think about... And I know there's opportunities I miss out on being gone, being out of L.A., and also just creative time that I'm not spending... Because it's hard on the road to yeah. be like, and people do it, and so I'm maybe just making excuses. And sometimes I do it, but not as much as I should, like spending the day writing or whatever, you know? Because I'm like, like I was telling you after last night, so emotionally drained. Yeah. I don't feel funny during the day when I know I have two more shows that night. Right. With just like babysitting drunk people and whatever. Um Gosh, I mean, it's it's the same for me. Like, I, I always feel like, you know, before a long tour, you know, I'm always like, all right, let me get my laptop situation together and all my, my uh, you know, accoutrement that I can, you know, bring and work. Right, the songs days. on the road, yeah. It never happens. I mean, you know, I'm like, if I need to do something or touch something up or, or finish something, you know, I can do that. But, like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, start fresh on something. It's, it's, it's hard in that bit, you know. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't seem possible. But I do want to say, you know, it's cool to see that you're headlining shows, you know. I mean, you are working your way just from being good and, and doing it a lot and, and and going on tour. You're working your way up to, to, you know, headlining and doing big venues. And it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think last time I saw you here, it was like, upstairs at a bar you know it was like yeah real small little thing you were reading poetry or whatever i was reading poetry <laughs> that didn't land you know <laughs> i loved it <laughs> uh but um yeah and then last night you know here you are at the only big comedy club in cincinnati which is not in cincinnati but close uh and yeah killing it thanks i just uh like i feel good about what i'm doing on stage but i also feel like there's this other stuff I'm missing out on. Absolutely. Which maybe just always feels that way. But I don't have a choice right yeah. now, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's not true. I could stay in L.A. like many of my friends are doing and work be a, a day job or, or be a waiter and sit there for those opportunities to come. But they don't get very much stage time, you know? It's yeah. like a couple times a week you're doing 10 minutes and that has its own value. But, you know, I mean, I can't. It's like I'm performing like six hours a week. Yeah. Full hours. Yeah. Like I can't, it's hard to trade that. Right. Um, yeah, that seems like treading water somehow, like just like waiting, you know. 
that works out for plenty of people. It does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're trying to get writing gigs or yeah. like acting roles or whatever. But you, but I'm I feel to find like a balance. I feel like if you have an agent, right? I do. Yeah. They, so they're still probably working on that stuff even while you're on the road. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty new. Yeah. Okay. But I also think how late in the game compared to other comics who are good that I got an agent is right. partially because I was always gone. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Because they gotta see you. Right. Totally. Um, and that's what ha- I mean. Yeah, they saw me in L.A. on a Comedy Central taping. So, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I just it's hard to ever feel like you're reaching your full creative capacity. Absolutely. But I feel like you're very um, prolific. In my head, you're always producing something. You know, this is what my sister says to me too. Like, oh, you're you know you're, uh, you know you're always doing something. You're always getting something done. Like. For me, I just, I, I don't feel that, from the inside, it feels like, I mean, I'm always working on something, but I, f- I always feel frustrated, like I'm so slow and like struggling through and just slogging through. Yeah. Uh, you know, that said, I do feel like, you know, maybe compared to other people uh, that I know, that I'm kind of a good like finisher. I mm-hmm. have this like... Uh, which is a good and a bad thing. You know, it's it goes along with that obsessive thing where it's like, okay, I'm working on this thing. Like, I have to see it through to the end. Uh, which has made me, you know, able to, um, yeah, c- just keep putting stuff out. You know, finishing, putting stuff out. Um, there's no substance to the stuff. It's just empty salt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> uh yeah, so I do, you know, I am doing that. But When you I, finish something, do you, like, I mean, it's so different, like, uh, comedically, like, I, I never feel like something's done, you know, but sometimes you just move on from it. When you finish something, do you feel like it's, like, at 100% of what you wanted it to be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, at some point you have to wrap it up, you know, and realize that it, you know, it Wear is what it is. Wear a condom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you can't go on indefinitely. Some people do, you know, like I have friends that, you know, have sort of yet to release their first thing and are just perfecting it for years and years and years. Mm. Um, and there are good and bad things to that. You know, like I feel like, you know, Sometimes it might behoove me to just let something cook that long. Um, and it might, you know, because not, you know, when I put stuff out, it's not like it makes like a huge splash. You know, it's not like I'm like blowing up over stuff. So I just kind of do it and keep feeding the whatever it is that I'm feeding or the people that are listening to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I try to get it to a point where I feel satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but yeah, you could always keep working on it. And then, of course, after, you know, after we might uh, finish something, you go out and tour and you're playing the songs and then they start to develop again, more and different. And, you know, you could re-record the whole album or whatever, but you're not going to. You move on to the next. You know? But you play a different version live. Yeah, yeah, maybe. version. Yeah, and, it's, and a lot of that is... is you know, working with other people live, like musicians that bring their own, you know, their own thing to it and, and develop it like that. So, you know, and you never, and, and you also have, just time, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, you have the benefit of working with really good musicians. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, I don't always do that in the studio. You know, mm. like I do, sometimes I do a lot of stuff on my own. I, I do involve people uh, as well, but, but, you know, maybe there are things that I didn't involve other people on that then they're playing on and, and really advance it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you like working with your brother? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you Is know, it just like, um, um, you don't even really think about it at this point because you guys have always just done so much together? Uh, I would say we've gone in and out of working a lot together. You know, um, recently we haven't worked together that much. Outside of touring, you mean? Outside of touring. Um, well, we did last year or something. But, but yeah, I, uh, it's on and off. But, but when we do do it, it's good. I think he really, he really uh, you know, he, he adds a really good thing to, like, my songs and stuff that... I don't get on my own. Um, you know, that said, it can be tough sometimes because we are both pretty uh, obsessive and opinionated. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to, like, you know, talk through stuff and figure out, you know, we may disagree at times. Do you feel like you usually win? Uh, I think I would say probably I would say usually win. <laughs> Simply because I'm, like, the guy that's, like, finishing the stuff. Yeah. So, like, if, if I feel like it's really working a certain way that he doesn't love, then I might... Just do it anyway. Maybe to some... <laughs> but, you know, why, the why thing is, like, you know, they're, they're my songs for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I collaborate with people on some of them. Um, but, um, so, yeah, there's that. And he understands that and, and respects that. But, um... But also is is very opinionated and has an incredible sensibility. So I often, you know, it's not like he says something and I just ignore it. I, I will always consider what his opinions are because they, you know, it he he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we have to go back a little bit. So you're in a band with your brother Josiah. Yeah. A lot of my fans. They're not gonna no, know that's who you are. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, and this is niche stuff. This is underground shit. <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah. and uh, fun fact for the Who's Your God listeners: your sister Becky Wolf is the reason that I got into stand-up comedy. That's true. She bullied yeah. me into going to an open mic in two thousand ten. Yeah. She quit. I don't know a year later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a very successful educator who lives back here in Cincinnati, that's and right. um. And, yeah, I love you guys. I'm happy we're still all buddies. Oh, me too. Um, this has been a really fun weekend that you guys are here and stuff. Because, I mean, I do so many of these weekends, too, that I'm just in a place where I don't know anybody. And yeah. then, you know, if I have stuff like, like last night that is, like, just emotionally draining shows, yeah. it's, like, nice to have, you know, people I'm close to around totally. so I don't lose I my can, mind. I can see how that could be, could be a little depressing. You know, I, I mean... On the one hand, if you're in a cool town and you can kind of just walk around and stuff, that could be fun. Yeah. Especially fun. if you meet people and then you can kind of have these little stranger friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And I know comedians in pretty much every place. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But yeah. sometimes, I mean, I like being by myself. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, the differences between traveling with a whole band and being one comedian are, I mean, countless. Yes. Mostly, uh, I think the 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 comedy side 
wins wins the prize there. <laughs> Just for convenience. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a schlep, you know. Yeah. Traveling with all your gear and the lighting gear and Man- the, you know, and managing everyone's personalities too. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, everybody can be difficult at some time or another traveling like that. Um, me probably the most out of the people that I'm with, and uh, yeah, it. it it takes its toll on mm-hmm. relationships. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so I do I do envy that. You know, I have traveled solo a couple times for, for uh, you know, little solo tours. And, and also with, like, one other person. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's way easier in terms of that stuff. Just, like, psychologically, like, you know, everything is, like, a lot, a lot more stable. Mm-hmm. You know, or you can just work through it in your own mind, and you don't have to like be be a bitch to everybody in the on the touring party. <laughs> oh, you're learning yeah. so much. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> so you guys grew up here, and then you also went to high school with my best friend Anna, which yeah. is how I met y'all. That's right. We were working at a diner together. That's right. In Emeryville, um, and uh, you have an interesting religious story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, on, ongoing, still developing story. Well, right. I, I mean, say your that. dad's. Oh well, but, still in it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My parents are still religious. I wouldn't say that uh, it's ongoing for me, but uh, yeah, we we grew up uh, Messianic Jewish. For those people that don't know, Amy. <laughs> I mean, I know. No, I know you know. You, I was you're our you first to... Messianic Jew on the show. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to be that. So, yeah, I, I was, no, I was asking you to, to explain to the people, but I... <laughs> I don't know. You explain I'll it. I'll explain it. Uh, it is... Well, okay, I will tell uh, my church version of it, which is that when I was growing up in the Baptist church, you know, maybe twice a year, once a year... Um, Jews for Jesus would come around okay. and speak to the church, which is okay. not exactly the same thing, right? I mean, you have some like some differences we, aside from the name. I would say we do, but also but they, yes, they do. The Jews for Jesus are really um, in that world. It felt very like, hey, kids. Jews can be cool too with okay. Christ, you okay. know. Yeah. And I'm like, but I lived in the Bay Area. I'm like, who's not familiar with Jews, you right, know? Right. But these are like weird ones, you right. know. I don't have the thing is I don't have that much familiarity with Jews for Jesus, but from what I understand, I think in Moshe's episode we talk a little bit about some of the doctrine differences. So okay. if anybody wants to go back, so to that, Moshe yeah. talked about Messianic Judaism. What in a little bit, to me? yeah. Um, no. Oh, I don't know. You might have come up, actually. Okay. No, we were just talking, because he just knows so much about every kind of yeah. Judaism. Yeah. I, I, I talked about it with, I had Moshe on my podcast, and I think we talked about Messianic Good, so Judaism. everyone can go back and listen to both Moshe episodes. <laughs> he is the, the, the resident expert Jew. He's very smart. Um, But, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not that familiar with, with, with the Jews for Jesus, but from what I understand, they're, they're more like door knockers. Uh, yeah, they're like really into marketing. Right, right. And, <laughs> and, you know, the way I grew up, and I'm not saying there isn't like some proselytizing that happens within the Messianic Jewish world, but it's not, There's that's definitely not a focus. There's mm-hmm. no like teams of like, you know, they don't go out and do missions in that way or like teams of people uh, going out canvassing or some shit. Like uh, it's, you know, 
it is... As a kid, you don't have this overlying obligation to try to convert or save people. No. No, I mean... You just are a Messianic Jew. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, there's just like any other Christian sect, you know, there's some talk about wanting to save people, but not... But in an organic way, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Just be be a light unto the world type of type of talk. Um, you know, uh, be someone that, you know, people can can sort of see you walking the walk and want to be that. So there's that. But but not in a way that's organized. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically the way that I like to describe it and the way that I think a lot of Messianic Jews think about it is they are followers of Jesus, or they call him Yeshua because it's like the Jewish version, right? Uh, before it got uh, bastardized or whatever. Uh, so they think of themselves as a continuation of like first century Jews that bought into the Jesus thing before it went to the Greeks and the Romans mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So they do not align themselves with definitely not like with the, the Catholic world and how it sort of turned into something else with that. You know, they and and not even really with with uh, the rest of the Christian world. I mean, they they're they're uh, Christian adjacent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're they're friends, but it's not like one and the same. And they they like to make those distinctions. I feel like. And I again, let me not feel like I'm talking for all Messianic Jews. Like this sure. is my experience and my understanding as someone that grew up in it. My dad is a rabbi, but I haven't um, attended any events or anything for over 20 years, probably 25 years. So, um, yeah, I'm only speaking on what I can really remember, but yeah, they think about themselves as that and staying true to all of the Jewish traditions, holidays, etc. All the high holidays are the same. All the same as, as all the Jewish holidays. And no they difference in the ritual. No difference in the ritual. Well, they'll sometimes, you know, maybe bring, you know, Jesus, Yeshua into the situation somehow. But, um, but yeah, no, no Christmas, no Easter, you know, um, since those all sort of came later with the Romans. Um, or someone else. I'm not sure the exact history of those things. But, yeah, that's, that, that's the short What skinny. is the major difference in doctrine between being... Between traditional Judaism and Messianic Judaism, within Messianic Judaism, so within within traditional Judaism, and the, and again there there are many different sects of Jews yes, that believe course. different things. But I would say generally, um, other than like uh, the the uh, there's some there's some like major Orthodox Jews like in New York that believe. Like the Lubavitchers, where they believe like this one guy was the Messiah, um, who was alive in like the nineties and early two thousands, and he died. But um, other than that sect, and maybe several others, uh, most Jews believe that the Messiah has not come yet. You know, the Jewish Messiah has not come yet, and that um, when I don't want to gender this this Messiah, but he, it's okay. I think we could say he because that's <laughs> yeah. what they. Um, I'm not sure what happens when he comes, but somehow saves the Jews and uh, and all that. 
the Messianic Jews believed that Jesus was that Messiah, right? That that was talked about throughout the the uh, the Bible or the you know the the Tanakh. <laughs> Woke the dog up. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but the, yeah, so that Jesus was that guy, and that he's coming back, like like most Christians believe. Mm-hmm. You know, that now when I was maybe in my tweens, they start. You know, this is during um, late late Reagan. You know. Early Clinton, something I don't know. Wait, there was the Bush no. before. Sorry, yeah. this is during <laughs> Bush, probably yeah, Bush okay. one. Yeah, um, they started to find uh, an alignment with evangelicals. Mm-hmm. You know, and that makes sense sense when you think about U.S. history and how that happened during Reagan, um, where Pat Buchanan, all that. You know, uh, I don't know all this history either, but I know that Reagan was the first that like saw that the evangelicals could be used politically, basically. Right. So as a political alignment, you're saying Messianic Jews, just by nature of wanting to more likely be Republicans, align themselves with evangelicals? See, again, here, I can't speak for all sure. all Messianics because there are different, different sort of sides of the Messianic movement. But within my world in Cincinnati growing up, um, you know... They're more conservative. They're conservative. I don't even like to use the term conservative because to me that stuff's far from conservative. Yeah. But uh, more aligned with Republicans. Sure. Um, uh, Yeah, for sure. And I I just feel like the the evangelicals started to take hold of U.S. Protestantism in, in a way. Um, in the in the like late eighties and nineties, that start it just started to be so prevalent, and then you had the mega churches starting. To yeah, it pop became up. big business. It became too. big yeah. business, and and I feel like, um, and and this is getting a little more niche than maybe is necessary, but I feel like, at least my dad's synagogue started to sway in that direction, in the uh, sort of early nineties or something, and he may disagree or or may have more details. But that's what it felt like to me, and then and then it started to go deeper into like stuff that evangelicals are do, like speaking in tongues or like mm. um, you know being slain in the spirit, stuff that Baptists do that you probably grew up with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also sort of aligned with Republicans on social issues, like absolutely your your dad's synagogue in the nineties was more like I mean, was it homophobic? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, homophobic. Uh, Hillary Clinton was, you know, feminazi. You know, <laughs> it's uh, weird that we even call those social issues. It's just like right. It's not. It's just it's things just that regular I, old hate. Things that I remember <laughs> uh, hearing as a kid. Um, you know, yeah, Bill Clinton was a bad guy. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's a little more nuanced than than maybe it was talked about. Yes. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh uh, was cool. Stuff like that. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's still a pretty, I mean, it's pretty rare to be a Messianic Jew still, right? Like, it's a pretty small group it's, of people. I think it's a small group of people. Is it mostly in the Midwest? No. No. Uh, so there's, like, a good number on the coast? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I was little, and I don't 
think this is still the case, Philly, Philadelphia was sort of the, the mm, hub. That makes sense, yeah. Um, and that's where my parents are both from, is Philadelphia. Right. And, um, yeah, so, but, but I don't know that that's still the case. Uh, you know, I, I think there are Messianic synagogues, congregations, uh, definitely all over this country, and even um, overseas, mm-hmm. you know, in definitely in England and Australia, uh, Israel a lot, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's another thing, is they are very, very pro-Israel, Zionist, mm. uh, for the most part, as far as I know. There may be uh, some more liberal people now in the Messianic movement, you know, I have I have several uh, Christian believer friends who are liberal progressive people now. Um, so that is probably the case within the Messianic movement as well now in in two thousand twenty. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that we've got we've come around to that point where you can be a Messianic Jew, you know, and still vote for Bernie Sanders or whatever. Right. Um, so do you? I hope. <laughs> do Messianic Jews have a hell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, which is different from traditional Judaism, right? Or am I getting that wrong? I I don't honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I think that you know, like liberal Jews wouldn't really be if they, you know, if 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 hell is sort of in the rhetoric, it's not something that they're going to really think about or talk about yeah. on the daily. It's not a motivator. No, not at all. You know, I'm sure there are some some sects of more observant Jews, um, I shouldn't say observant, more uh, orthodox mm-hmm. Jews who uh, do believe in something like that, but I'm not, I'm honestly not sure. Mo- Moshe? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Moshe, <laughs> are you there? Um, so was it a part of, I mean, as a kid, like, how much did you believe in everything like, did it contribute to any fears that you had? Like, were you afraid of punishment? One thousand percent. You know, yeah. this was de- definitely. You know, and at, we've already we've already established my uh, very obsessive nature, uh, serious serious man uh, nature. Uh, as Anna, who you brought up earlier, used to call me El Serioso, <laughs> something like that. Um, because yeah, I I. I and and I was worse as a kid, where I really took everything for for writ for rot writ, uh, as fact, and you know I really uh, it, it definitely preyed on my fears uh, to to a, a great extent, and I wanted to feel it, you know, like in terms of the the pray, you know, I prayed every night and whatever, and and you know you grow up like that, and you you're like why why do I not really feel it as a tangible thing everyone else seems to everyone else is getting slain in the spirit yeah in, in this uh in this team lock-in and i'm not you know mm-hmm. why why is everybody speaking in tongues and like i can't really make my mouth do that yeah i think also if you have like sort of already just personality wise like artistic sensitive tendencies and anxious tendencies that religion is like this perfect thing to just like feed into it um I mean, perfect and, terrible thing but yeah, yeah perfect yeah. and terrible but then some 
I mean, I don't know, I felt like also around, like, my teenage years became, like, a very emo sort of, like, self-flagellation. Like, I almost enjoy the suffering, you know, um, where it's, like, poetic. Like, I suffer. Right. I suffer I'm because gonna, I I'm going to be punished. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, like, hot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When did you, when, when did you sort of... And, and what were the circumstances? And I'm sorry if you've spoken about this on your podcast We have, but it's sure okay because we we're swapcasting. Totally. What were the circ- <laughs> circumstances of you sort of like squeezing yourself out of that? How did you, how did you well, finally be like, all right. I mean, it was a super long process, but I think, you know, I mean, A, I had grown up in the Bay Area, so a lot of things didn't line up as a kid because I, I just didn't, I mean, the culture there is not, to be homophobic and not to have these conservative ideals. Um, uh, you know, our church was also very, like, misogynistic, and that didn't line up with my personal experiences. Like, most of my family's women. Um, but I think, like, uh, you know, in college, I mean, I went to Berkeley, so education certainly helps. But I also was, like, in love, and I wanted to have sex, and it felt like it wasn't bad. Like, I've still had so much guilt. But then logically it felt like it should be fine. And I think that boyfriend kind of started to shepherd me out of it. And then, I don't know, I mean... Was he shaped like a snake? <laughs> from a tree? I mean, one part of him was very, <laughs> oh. very snake-like. Um, <laughs> and then other sort of like stupid, or not stupid stuff, but, um, you know, I just... I read constantly, and I, like, worked at the video store in Berkeley. Like, I wanted to watch... Like, as a kid, there were movies I wasn't supposed to watch. There was a whole room full of them at the video store in the back. (laughs) I know. Um, Like, I wanted to, like, consume art. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, watch films and, like, go to shows and whatever. And I just... There were all these things that did not seem like they should be sinful. You were in college already. Yes, but I wasn't, like, fully out until, as far as, like, not having the nightmares, because I had a lot of, like, apocalypse nightmares, and not having the guilt, and not having the doubt, um, you know, it was, like, mid-twenties. Oh, wow. Before it was really gone. Okay. Yeah. What about you? That's recent. (laughs) I know! (laughs) That's recent. For me, it was a lot earlier. Honestly, it it was really when I got into high school. You know, and started to make friends in high school um, because I didn't really have any friends outside of the religious community before right. that. Same, yeah. Lightweight at school, it was like, oh yeah, me and this guy and this guy are like the good drawers in the class. <laughs> yeah. And like, I would go to a kid's birthday party. You know what I mean? But it's not like I was like, you know, kicking it with kids at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have one or two friends from the congregation that I was that I would hang out with and have sleepovers and all that stuff. So everything was kind of insular. And then when I went to high school, you know, I made friends with kids um, who were not believers. And, yeah. and like, I just started to sort of see there was a, a wider world out there and that maybe this isn't really like the facts. You know, maybe this is like one way of, of uh, thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and not the only. Yeah, I mean, mine definitely started in high school, too. Like, I was trying to be heavily involved, and, you know, I went to Christian club and stuff. Um, but I felt, I mean, I didn't connect with those kids as much. And 
frankly, like, a lot of them were really fucking weird. And since my parents weren't religious, we were really different in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know the story. Um, like, they were really, like, sheltered, strange kids. And the kids that were, like, funny and fun were, like, people I was meeting in choir and through music stuff and, um, you know, in other classes. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to be friends with these people. And I wanted to, like, kiss this boy. Right. Who was by all accounts, a dear person, still is. And he, he was very patient about all of it. He was patient about not having sex and everything. But, you know, his parents were like doctors, and they're just like educated, regular people that, I don't know, they weren't like anti-religion, but he was just like, this is just not my thing, you yeah. know? But he seemed like so good and kind to me that it just didn't make sense. Right. Why it would be, and I remember even like, cause we had our little relationship, and... We said, I love you and stuff. We're like 16. And then um, I broke up with him because someone from church was like, you know, you, whatever, you can't be yoked with non believers. <coughs> and I was like, well, this he's This fool was yoked. trying to yoke you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's pretty yoked himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and so I broke up with him and he was so sad. And then he didn't like pressure me to get back together, but it was just like, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, we should be together. This is like every girl's dream, you know, like a teenage romance with a nice handsome boy yeah. with a big dick. Hell yeah. <laughs> who like snake dick. Taught me about Wilco, you know? Yes. <laughs> and like all kinds of movies and I was like, it just doesn't feel like it should be wrong. Did you tell him why? Are you did you give him the religion reasons? Absolutely. Wow. Yes. I told him that And he took it in stride. Yeah. I mean, he's really great. <laughs> Sounds like a good guy. <laughs> and I was very yeah. cute, you know, yeah. developed for a 16-year-old. Yes. <laughs> but Rests. I think we mostly bonded over over being funny, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, it just, like, it felt like the right thing, and so it didn't line up with me feeling guilty about it. But still, it took year. you know, it took us three years to have sex. What a patient boy. Damn. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we broke up in college, and I was like, I mean, still a few years after that, that I was hanging on to the guilt and everything. And still going to church, or? Yes, um, like really struggling to find a good church. I mean, in Berkeley, like, I mean, I was like going to People's Park delivering hot chocolate with like Christians trying to save homeless people. Right. Who are like veterans on acid, you right, know? Right, Like, they so already they like, they see like God. <laughs> they right, see they God every see, day. That's true. <laughs> Down on Telegraph. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just felt silly after a while. Yeah. And I couldn't... I didn't find a community at church in Berkeley that was as friendly as, like, the other kids that worked at the video store. You know, right. like, that became my crew. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of it's, like, who you're hanging with, I think. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, which it makes sense why parents want to kind of know who their kids are hanging out with. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't think that's bad. Like, I think if I was a parent, I would want to know, you know, because you get, get it when the wrong kids, they're going to be doing bad drugs or, do, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't even doing all that. And still, I mean, I still suffer from some, like, arrested development where now I'm, like, I thought we were talking about that bar last night. Like, I started everything so late. Yeah. Drugs, drinking, everything. You know, everybody I know, like, you you try that shit out as a teenager. Yes. So then by the time you're 35, unless you're an addict, you're like, this is just dumb. You right. know? 
I'm like always behind. So I'm like looking at these like 40 plus ladies at that like cover band bar last yeah. night. And I'm like, I really shouldn't drink anymore. You know, this is like so stupid. Right. But since I just, I made all these bad decisions late and I'm right. still at the tail end of that. Well, yeah, you've got like, a couple party. more years and then you'll know. It should be done. You know, it's so stupid to, like, do yeah. cocaine. Like, yeah, right. it's really dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, At this age. That's one that I never got into. Uh, thank God. Uh, I tried it once, but it just, I didn't even feel it. And I was always scared about that. I saw people around yeah. me. I saw how, how, like, you know, they got pretty hyped about it. And too, sure. too hyped about it, you know. Well, it's not an... Ent- Obviously, not very often, but just to do that shit at all. You know, like, I was just in Hawaii for this comedy festival, and one of the other comics, who's also 40, you know, older, I think, is like, want to do some Molly? And I'm like, should we? For <laughs> yeah. what? Right, like, right. <laughs> but since I just was so behind, I'm like, I don't know, still kind of feeling the effects of that. You're still feeling the effects of Molly six weeks later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did try Molly once. <laughs> I didn't end up doing it. Oh, you didn't do it? No, no, because then he said... You made me out myself about Molly? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have done it before. Oh, okay. But this particular Molly, after I was thinking about it, he also said, I got it from a fan in Ohio. And I was like, uh-uh. all right, I'm good uh-uh. on that. Because <laughs> yeah. that's meth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> once exactly. he said Ohio, I was out. Midwest Molly. <laughs> you know what that is. Um, How long ago was that? The Molly? Yeah. Or just like a year, maybe two years ago, something like that. Um, year and a half, I think. Yeah, it, it, it was fine. I, I I didn't feel much. Yeah. I did a lot. And uh, it was just kind of like relaxing mm-hmm. or something. But uh, then I was like depressed for two weeks, like for real. Oh, yeah, it'll it really like, deplete oh, your all your yeah. happiness chemicals exactly um so not that you can like totally speak for them but like as kids like where were Josiah and Becky at with the religious stuff you know I, honestly it, it kind of we all kind of started to veer away from it around the same time mm-hmm. um you know that's what that's what is in my memory anyway and but they fully believed yeah, at least in my, you know, from what I can tell, you know, I wasn't like in their prayers with, you know, with them or whatever. Right. But, but um, one personality wise, it also feels like, I mean, Becky is very like, I mean, she's an educator, she's very like logic and research based, yes, you know? Yeah. And it seems like she might be less susceptible to the fear part of it, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I, she questions authority. She does, and I do too, um, but I think maybe that developed a little later for me. I think for her, you know, if she's three years younger than me, I think she got out around that same time and she would have been younger than me, So mm-hmm. and Josiah older, which that makes sense too. Yeah. Um, that he's a little more sort of like, wants to keep the status quo of what was going on, and you know, mm-hmm. um, at least at that time. I don't know anymore, but... Um, yeah, but, but we all sort of found our ways out around around high school time-ish. Did you have any lingering, like, anxiety or fear from it after? Uh, of, like, going to hell and things like yeah. that? Yeah. Not that much. Not as much as you would think. You know, I feel like sort of once, once I, I sort of, like, washed it off me, I sort of just 
And this is stuff that I haven't really talked about with my therapist, any therapist that I've had. I've had several therapists and haven't really discussed this that much. But, um, but I don't think it really did sit on me as that much, at least not like on a conscious level, Mm -hmm. you know? But at the time, like when you were praying all the time, did you feel like God heard you? Did you feel like God loved you? Then you had a relationship? Not really. That's the problem. Is like it never really clicked for me. It was I'm I'm too. I don't want to say skeptical. I don't like that term for me, because I I feel like I want to be open. You know, I'm open minded. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I'm not like susceptible to like placebo or like, you know. I just don't. I'm not a buyer inner. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't buy in very easily to stuff. Um, so. Feel like probably that is the reason you know i i and, and that that's pretty much discounting the the realities of of the faith you know which i don't want to do that for other people that may believe that stuff uh and feel it for real that's cool but i never really did and so for me you know it wasn't that hard to, to sort of find my way out because you know, I never you like weren't feeling it. I never heard God's voice like speak to me or like, you know, I heard I always heard stories about other people and miracles and things. And, you know, I, I never really saw or felt that in my own life. Like mm-hmm. even my, you know, my my parents had miracle stories and all that. But, I, you know, I never saw it point blank. So it's like. I yeah, I just it, it, at the time it was like, OK, that's that's enough of that. Have you talked to your parents, or do you know how they feel that they're about still being in it, and none of their three kids are still believers? They you know, love it. <laughs> I, I think it pains them, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a hot topic, really. To, you know, for us, and I sometimes slip up and sort of like uh, get upset at my mom or something about it. My dad, I, I just, you know, I, I. What do you mean? Why do you get upset? And why only at her? Well, the nature, it's just the nature of who they are and my relationship with them. You know, my dad is kind of hard to be close to in a way. Um, you know, he's, he tries and I love him very much. He's, he really is, uh, you know, a genuinely very good person. Like he, I've never even met you guys won't let me near him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he cares a great deal about his congregation mm-hmm. and he takes care of people and, and, talks people through their 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 trauma and drama and and all that um does he do the same for his kids no we don't have that kind of relationship with him and i'm okay with that you know um you know for instance uh i I imagine winston churchill had kids but he was busy doing other shit Mm -hmm. you know like you're comparing your dad to Winston. his wife probably raised his kids (laughs) and like in that case it's okay no, you know, obviously we got to scale down, but like, you know, he, he has his thing that he's like doing and his people that he's caring for that really need him. You know, a lot of these his people flock. are, a lot of his flock are troubled people and they need help and you know, yeah. and so I respect that and, uh, you know, my mom with or without him was going to be just as obsessive about raising us and you know, doing every little thing for us that she could. I mean, she was, is just an absolute saint when it comes to her kids. 
like over like overboard you know Jewish mom yeah whatever whatever um and I love her dearly and I'm a lot closer with her so her and I actually talk about stuff and my dad and I we try to hang out from time to time but we have to keep it kind of just not that we have to, but it just stays kind of surface level most of the time. And maybe that's just the nature of how he is in general, or maybe how he is with us. I don't know. Or just me. But yeah. my mom, you know, we, we sort of can talk about a lot of different stuff. And when you start doing that, it's easy to veer into politics or mm. religion. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, I have a... a you know, I can get hot. How does it veer that way for her? How does she start talking about that stuff? I mean, what are the things that make it, that come up that make it tense? Gosh. Uh, politics usually, you know, and she, you know, she considers herself to be like, you know, it's like, I don't really think about this stuff and all that, but then she votes, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, she just doesn't want to get into an argument, which I understand. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, right-wing people you know yeah um so i you know and i i feel very passionately you know especially in this moment with the trump thing and all that you know it's like it's bad stuff and you know i i can just get in we had this very heated argument at uh thanksgiving like two years ago perfect oh (laughs) what a classic it's classic yeah but just like we were with my mom's siblings and their families you know um at, we got like this big house like on the border of of pennsylvania and new york beautiful area beautiful house mm-hmm. and everything like that and then we're you know we're sitting around eating the thanksgiving dinner and and you know i don't remember what how it came up but we start talking about like lgbtq stuff and trans people came mm. up and you just 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 my 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 parents sort of mentality around it just like upset me a great deal yeah and i i got i got loud and started you know my mom's whole family are quite liberal i wouldn't call them all progressive but leaning towards progressive you know um and you know my mom and my dad were the only ones there that were like republicans and sort of leaning right mm-hmm. and i just yeah i started crying and I remember yelling like you're hurting people you know or something like that and well you're not wrong I'm not wrong it's like it's those moments that you're like I don't know if this is gonna change their mind you know yeah but you're not wrong it's just I I have trouble containing myself sometimes sure in those kind of things I get I'm a very emotional person yeah well it's an emotional thing and like it doesn't I think also if you're like you know, a little obsessive, like to be in control, like not being able to explain something so simple like that to people, especially that you love and are related to, it's very frustrating, yeah. you know? Right. You feel like you're being, someone's cheating at a board game or something. It's just like you get hotter than you mean to, but because it's like they just also, this is not an excuse, of course, and my mom's kind of in the same boat, I'll, more complicated with her because she has a queer daughter. And has been around a lot of trans people, um, whether she's liked it or not. But is she still, um, is she, does she vote Republican? Is she? Is, yes, she does. Yeah. yeah. But on that kind of thing, it's like, 
you know, it's a la- it's just a true lack of exposure, you know? That's like, what I think, too. You don't know that you're hurting people because you don't have trans people in your life. Exactly. And we do, and it's very normal. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I don't think about it all the time when we're hanging out. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. They just are. Exactly. And, uh, and I think it does come down to that. It's like, yeah. you know... They're afraid. I feel like they've, like... When I was a kid, it was very homophobic, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, this is just the story of this country, you yeah. know what I mean, really? Progress was, is slow. Progress is slow. When Especially I was a kid, with old people. gay people were not okay. Now trans people are not okay. But gay people are okay now, you yeah, know? Ish, like, yeah. Ish, Buttigieg. Ish, yeah, People Buttigieg. fine with it, you know? But I mean, in, even even specifically for my parents, you know, it's like, I don't know exactly what they think, but I feel like they they feel like, you know, gay people are struggling through that and, like, they need to be loved and blah, 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 blah. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're okay. I, I think that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, even I don't if really you, know. like, think morally that it's still a choice, I think it's come to this thing for religious conservative people where it's, like, yeah, no one's born gay, but they're sinning like anybody struggles with any other sin. That's like the gambling I think it or is. drinking. Yeah. That's what I feel like it is now. And but trans deserve, people and they deserve no empathy. Yeah. But trans, trans people, people are, are so out of the sick. the realm right. They're so out of the realm of, of understanding for right. my, for my parents and, and many other people that are unexposed to trans people that it's still like this, like this is a sickness. They're trying, like they're, you know, the 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 left wing is trying to turn kids trans, and you know, like just mm-hmm. bizarre stuff that that you might think if you've never met a trans person, right? You know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. But there's also like this willful ignorance. I feel like um, because to say. Uh, to, like, rely on binary gender and, uh, you know, staying whatever your cisgender is your whole life. Like, to say that that's been, like, easy for any of us or natural is also insane. You right. know? I mean, clearly it hasn't worked out well. Like, right. I mean, I resent, like, every day that I have to be girly. I mean, I do it because I have to get on stage. And if I didn't, it would be weird. And i probably work a lot less. I right. just shut up looking, I don't know, Who comfortable, knows? as Who comfortable knows? as I want to be. Who knows? <laughs> but it's like these roles have not been pleasant for anybody, right. including men. Like masculinity is very hard. It's Absolutely. very stressful. It's a lot of pressure. You know, people don't. Yeah. And so it's. I can't fix anything in this house and I feel like a failure. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> um, for but, my yeah. mom, I mean, she got forced into it a little bit because um my sister when she was living in oakland they just moved um you know with her partner they were a part of a community another couple lived downstairs um and you know it's like my sister has a birthday party or my niece has a birthday party they're gonna be some lesbians it's lesbians non-binary folks trans people and i think my mom kind of (laughs) there's a very funny moment where she was being very nice, very mom-like, where it was sort of a collection of my sister's friends that was literally like a butch dyke, a trans person, you know, a lipstick lesbian, if we're still saying that. Um, And as a collection, she said something sort of sweet, like, 
do you ladies want some sandwiches right, or whatever? Right. And so I was like, oh, mom, you can't. Like, it, these it are not all it, ladies. The, the record scratched, the record <laughs> yeah. stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like anyone was pissed or right. thought, like, your mom's a homophobe because she's like... It's an old lady. She's offering sandwiches. Yeah. But that was very hard for her to work through. And, yeah, you know, women who are very feminine but have a beard. Like, right. that's sort of the collection of people we're talking. I mean, yeah. it's Oakland. Like, yeah. Um, and I think it took her some getting used to, but the exposure really helped, you yeah. know? Because now it's like, yeah, she has a gay daughter who has a niece... My niece came from a gay guy, uh, and him and his partner are very involved in her life. And so it's like, I mean, in the past, probably truly the niece of her nightmares. You know what right, I mean? Right. <laughs> to have, like, a kid come from two gay couples. Yeah. Um, but Grand- Granddaughter. Yes. Oh, yeah, niece. sorry, my yeah, niece. Yeah, niece. her granddaughter. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful story, you know, yeah. and that's just, like, what our family looks like now. And yeah. so she's used to it. I don't right. know how much she, like, would tell her friends about it or whatever. Right. You know she's what I mean? She's been exposed to it and she has to accept it or, what, cut ties with the, her kids? No. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which she wouldn't do. My right. mom's not that level of evil. But my niece's dad, sperm dad, his parents are. They have cut him off. Oh, wow. And made threats to, like, try to take my niece somehow, you know, um... Because it's technically their grandkid. Right. And he doesn't speak to this person. So we sort of adopted him. Yeah. Um, and it's... Yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice to find out my mom is not that level of evil. You know? Yeah, yeah. And like... What does it take to be like that? Like, I can't even imagine. Like, oh, I can't imagine yeah, the internal so dialogue it takes to think like that. Yeah. And this is a guy that truly has done every single thing right, aside from being gay. He's such a nice person. He... Owns a house in Kansas with his husband. He was in the military for a long time, which I think he only did because his dad would like that. You know, he played sports. Like, he did everything. Yeah. He just is gay. And so they don't speak to him. Or they tell him he's going to hell, so. And that our whole family is going to hell. Because we have a big just, gay soup that made a little girl. <laughs> you know, to, to, to say it in the, the sort of, you know, this is a podcast about religion, so... I just don't understand how people marry that mentality with Christianity. I agree. I don't see it. It's like, yeah, God, first of all, blessed you with this child, who is like a perfect human being, um, to, to hate him or like tell him that he's condemned to hell or cut him off, um... Even if you think being gay is a choice and he's sinning, yeah, it's like, what if he was doing any other sin? Right. Which he's truly not, by the way. He's right. so good. And right. he was even Christian if, for so long. Even if being gay is a sin, Jesus would have, you know, that's who he would be hanging out with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I know, it doesn't make sense. It's it's really a mental illness. Yeah. To, I mean, I, part of the reason I don't have kids is because I... I can't imagine, like, that level of love and connection. It's, like, very scary to me. And so to have that as a mom and then, like, cut off your own son is, it's mental. Like, it's yeah. it's not anything else. It's crazy. It's yeah. for sure not Christian. But it's mental illness that's, like, 
like a plague. It's like, you know, because it's, it, it's, it's rampant around yeah. this country. Is and like, it's yeah. being validated, you know, by their community. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And his sister, I mean, his entire family, like, wasn't even at his wedding. But we all were there. Yeah. And we're just like, we're your family now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a Miller, first yeah. of all. But this is what you fucking got. Yes, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we probably have to wrap up. Okay. Uh, but we have a question we ask everyone. Oh, gosh. You're not prepared? No, but, but please. <laughs> um, if you were going to start your own church or religion, the Church of Yoni Wolf, what are three things that you would teach? Or practice or rituals that you would have. You know, I, I that think, church. I think it would be number one. Okay, see, I'm not good with these <laughs> kind of numbers and 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 all that, but it um, can be loose. But I, you know, I think the idea of you know to what we were just talking about in that mentality would be right out, right out the window, and it would be about compassion first of all, mm-hmm. right? That would be like one of the main tenets, and um, you know, just caring for your, your fellow humans. And empathizing. Can Is I say, this number two? Can I say empathy? Sure. Because I want to get through <laughs> This all these. sounds like one. No. Compassion, empathy, starting from a place where, which is truly Christ-like. Yes. Um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> to be honest. Can I, that voice? Can I say this? Can I say this, Amy? <laughs> can I say this? I have thought, and I, I don't mean to drag this on because I know you're trying to wrap this thing up. We're at two and a half hours. No, we're but, not. What is it at? <laughs> 112. Okay, perfect. But but I, I can hack a good 10 to 12 minutes off the front no, we, before the uh No, intro. don't hack anything. No, I'm just kidding. It was like three seconds. Send me the whole thing. But um, <laughs> just that, you know, because I've considered in my life, you know, and maybe it comes from growing up with religion and that community, you know, having that community of people. But I've considered in my life, you know what, like I don't believe like all the stuff in the Bible exactly as it is there, but maybe I don't have to. Maybe, like, it's okay to be Jewish or Messianic Jewish uh, in a way that, you know, treats that stuff more as, you know, fables and metaphors and shit. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't gone back and read the Bible for a bit, and my, things might disturb me if I start reading it and be like, oh, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, like, so I've thought in my mind, like, you know, maybe I can, you know be Christian or Jewish or something in a way, in my own way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, okay, so before we go back to this list, which you, you're not doing at all so But far, you see what I'm uh, saying. Yes. You see what well, I'm saying. Well, that's like, my question. What What are you? Like, I, do you have a higher power now? No. But okay. I, I think I think Christianity is really beautiful. I really do. Like, in the way that it's, that it, what it really is if you read the, teachings of christ mm-hmm. right it's it's a beautiful religion and it, and it really is uh a mark marked transition in human m- mentality towards other people mm-hmm. uh and towards the world and all that so it, it has almost never been practiced in that way right so you know part of me feels like you know, maybe maybe I should uh, go back and do the pure thing in, in that religion and treat it more like you know, you know how Buddhism is treated or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, it's not really you're not think of thinking about the Buddha as a deity. You know, it's more like this is a helps you live your life a certain way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, compassion, empathy, all that stuff. <laughs> and I do so. 
you know, obviously I'm not Christian anymore, but I try, I mean, when we were talking about performing, like, one of the earliest pieces of advice I got from someone was have empathy for the audience. And I and I think that is very Christ-like. In general, I try to remember, like, everyone here is bringing their own experience to what is ultimately my show, but it is a shared experience. And so if someone's, like, acting up or they seem like they don't like me, like, it could be anything, you know? Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe this guy feels uncomfortable because he's six foot five sitting in the light, you know, on the stage. and You played nice was, with him. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, maybe he was too shy to say I don't want to sit there. Like, I just, I keep, I try to keep everyone's individual experience in mind as much as possible. You were one joke away from having sex with that guy. Last <laughs> <night>. <laughs> um... But you know what I mean? Even you though had empathy like, for everyone in that room. There were four people in that room that you distinctly did not have empathy for. <laughs> I started with it. Yeah. But maybe that was having empathy for the rest of the room because those people were ruining the show for everyone else. Right. Yeah. Once there's like not really a mutual respect, then yeah. I also have to stand up for myself. But I think just as an approach to anything... You know, fucking being in traffic or like any way that yeah. human behavior is a part of the scenario. Right. What's this other person? I've tried to like have compassion. Totally. Even if they might not be having empathy for me. Right. Okay, so that's, I love that. That's I love number that. one. That's that is like a very evolved way of thinking in my mind. You Thank know? you. It's very hard. It is. <laughs> it is. I get hot. I get white hot. Well, yeah, and I also, maybe we have this in common, like, I I really am obsessed with fairness and justice, which don't, almost never truly exist. Right. And so, it's hard to, like, balance those two things. I have that, This too. isn't fair versus what are you going through today. Yeah. That's why I get, like, on calls with, like, you know, AT&T or, like... It, my insurance company or whatever, yeah. it, it drives me nuts. Because, yeah. yeah, it's that feeling of, like, you know, how can you believe that this is okay? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, we would do, I, I think, I want to say music, but then when you start thinking about how that's incorporated in religion, oftentimes, you know, it, it, uh, it goes awry. But, but I'm going to say that. We would have to do it in a, in a way that feels good. Yeah, but I mean, what... I mean, religion aside, you're, like, as performers, also creating some sort of communal religious experience when you have a good show. I mean, that's, like, part of the... That's one of the pieces of a good show, I think. Yeah, that came out of your mouth, but I'll accept it. <laughs> you're not calling why I'll church? I'll <laughs> <laughs> But I bet some of your fans feel that way. You know, they relate to... Your lyrics, they think that they know what you're feeling because they've felt it too, and then they're all together feeling it. There's definitely a feeling that happens when people are, yeah. are gathered together, tight in a room. And, and yeah, in the name of Christ. In the name of Christ, <laughs> two or more are gathered. Uh, so yes, I, I think there's a way that... You can feel that feeling without it being sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Or yes, ha- absolutely. There's still a level of manipulation, but manipulation can be for good sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. Draw, draw people in, into a certain feeling that's a good feeling. I, I think that, um, also, I, I think that everyone should be incorporated in the music making. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel weird, honestly. Oh, good. I'll tell Josiah. 
I just feel weird, weird about being that, that the stage as a separation. You oh, know, I see. If, if this is the yeah. religion thing, I feel like we all have to be making music and dancing and 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 you know being in that vibe together. More, I'm more thinking about some kind of like tribal music thing that might happen in more Aborigine communities. You know, sure. Um, that I think is so beautiful. Um, okay. At least from my ignorant standpoint of what it is, I you know just seeing it on National Geographic. Or sure. Something. Yeah. Um, so those two things, uh, and you know just just uh, oh, I'm trying to scrap something else together here. It can even be funny or it can be anything. Humor. <laughs> okay. Humor. I yeah. think I think that you know you you, you can't. Look at life and, and always be so serious about every little thing. You have El Serioso. To, El Serioso. Even <laughs> El Serioso, which I vowed someday I'm going to call an album that. Or, some, or a song or something. Um, I'm sure she wants more songs named after her. No, that's not... Come on. That, that, she would have just penned that. Nothing to do with her. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you, you know, you have to... You have to take light a little bit. Yeah. This life. Um, Which I do think that you guys are good at. I mean, I said yesterday, like, we wouldn't be friends if you weren't funny. I feel like most of my non-comedy friends are funnier than many comedians I know. Which I feel like is very lucky. But also, it's for sure part of the culture. You know? Yes, yeah. Um, which, because I was noticing... We have to wrap up. But when I was living in Portland, and it took a while for me to really pin down, like, what was so weird about it. And so fucked up and creepy. And I think, I mean, A, like the lack of people of color at all. Obviously, there are some there. Please don't get mad at me. I always get, I know the history. Okay. I just saw a Portlandia episode about that. (laughs) The percentage is so small. And I think for, and there are just no Jews there. Yeah. And I think for communication and like humor, you know, like how people kind of relate to each other. It lends itself, it, it, it becomes very creepy and strange when you're like, oh, I can't make jokes with you, like I can't be sarcastic or, right. I, I don't know, like I'm in some customer service interaction where this person doesn't know I'm joking. Right. Because they've never met a Jewish person. Right. You know, it's right. like this weird, uh, you know, it's like existing in a real city is different for that reason. Because you can have all these little like snappy interactions with people who are used to communicating in a certain way totally um and the vibe is just different i can't tell you how many times in my life i've been misunderstood when i'm trying to joke yeah because i'm dry yeah same me too um but when i'm in new york it happens almost never that's true yeah (laughs) right there's certain places that people just get it Yeah. yeah Yeah. Um, well, tell us, uh, what we should look up, how we can find you, okay. your latest project briefly. Gosh, well, I guess the Y website is called whywithaquestionmark.com. It's all spelled out like mm-hmm. that. Um, and... They're we, very good. We're very good. The latest, <laughs> thing, and you know, we're on all the things, the Spotify's and the things. Mm-hmm. Um, social medias, you know, whatever. On tour. You can find me you know, at Yoni Wolf everywhere. Um, not touring now, but someday we will again. Um, my latest project is a thing that's about to come out in a month or two. Uh, it's in conjunction with this journalist, Ian Urbina. It's a solo project, uh, about, 
gosh, this is this goes deep. This is hard to say short in a short way, but that's okay. It's it's he's he he wrote a book called The Outlaw Ocean, and a bunch of articles for the New York Times about crime and miscreants on on the open seas. Oh wow! Um, and so I did a project inspired by his work um, under the umbrella of his of his thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Working with him. Yeah, or for him, with him, yeah. And it's an album? It's an EP. It's an EP. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's very John Darnell of you, by the way. Good. I respect that. <laughs> That's a compliment, right? Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, thank you, Yoni. Thank you very much, thank Amy. Thank you, Yoni's no. listeners, for having me. Thank you for being on my podcast. Yes. Yes, That's what, yes, yes. Say bye to the people out there. Bye. Yes. God bless Amy Miller. This is now me a day later uh, from when I recorded the intro, and it is very warm out, unseasonably warm. The windows are all open in the house. Uh, The breeze is blowing through, blowing some of those little virus droplets right into our mouths, and uh, I hope not. I hope that's not the case. We went out. I did. I cut down a couple branches off of the uh, tree in the back patio and to make it a little more comfortable out there because I imagine we're going to be spending most of the summer out there, uh, which, which, you know, it should be nice. It should be nice. We have our own little space, so it's good. Uh, those of you that went over to patreon.com slash thewanderingwolf, uh, I really appreciate it. And those of you that gave $5 or more, um, you are my executive producers, and now is your time. Adam Chase, Alexis Johnson, Andrew Lark, Casper Jesus, Caitlin Augustine, Courtney Gorlitz, Dalton, Drew Nocton, Emma Ridgway, Evan Gordon, Ian Tankersley, Jesse Gillen-Walters, Jesse Squires, Jim Laskowski, Kenneth Leanne, Matt Hill, Merrick Jarmulowitz, Michael Miller, Michael Payne, Nick Walls, Paul Solorzano, Pepo Marquez, Robert Hess, Simon Bird, the Ark of E Network, and Will Toledo. Thank you guys. You're the true champions of this show. And for anyone else that's thinking about doing it, now is a good time. And I would, I would greatly appreciate it. No new news for dates or anything like that. Uh, I'm at home for the foreseeable future. But I'll, I'll try to do another one of these at some point soon on Skype or whatever. KIT, stay cool. Even if for now it be but a trek deep within... Keep one. Did anybody grow up a white trash kid in here? Cool. Yes. Welcome. Welcome, family. So you guys know, or if you grew up around any white trash families, you might know that uh, part of our deal uh, growing up in our childhood, part of the deal is that uh, at any given time in your home, there's just a shit ton of dogs. And nobody in the family knows where the fuck they came from. We're just like, did we adopt these dogs? Or did they just like wander in and open screen door one day and we're like, oh, hi, welcome. Here's a ham bone and a dirty pillowcase. Your name's Black Dog now. So many dogs in my house and so many puppies and so many litters of puppies. Like, you have not lived. No, it's not cute. (laughs) You say puppies and people go, oh. 
Oh, but I'm talking about like puppies. I'm talking about like a litter of puppies born in your own bed where you saw the mother dog eat the afterbirth and then you slept there later. That's what I'm talking about. Puppies. What happens when you have that many like mangy, unkempt animals in your home is that it gets filled with flies. I know, it's gross, I'm sorry. <laughs> Diamond in the rough up here, right? <laughs> we made it. There were so many flies in my house and I was a really curious kid, so I tried to get to the bottom of it once. I went up to my dad one morning, like so earnestly, I was very sweet and I was just like, Daddy, why do we have so many bugs in our house? And he said, uh, I don't know. It's probably because you're so full of shit. <laughs> it is not good parenting. But don't worry, because he died very young. <laughs> yeah, joke's on him. Yeah, yeah. Who's covered in bugs now, Dad? <laughs> Something like that. 